Amen to that song. Wow, how marvelous, how wonderful that Jesus would love us in the state that we are. You know, we are in the season of the Olympics. And so the other night we turned on the Olympics and it's the opportunity for the next several weeks to see the best of the best. To see people who have worked so hard to get where they are. And, you know, um, I, one of the things that I love about the Olympics is just watching the, the biographical sketches that they'll do, you know, in between the competitions and just seeing the stories behind how people got to where they are. And I, I'm so inspired by seeing the training that these people go through. I, I'm just blown away by the number of hours and the amount of sacrifice that people put in. And it, and it just reminds me that uh, in order to be the best, you have to live a different way. So we've got a little video here to show you. This is a, a Michael Phelps. Uh, there's a song here in the background, but I want you to pay attention. It, it kind of gives a sense of the amount of work that he has to put in. Certainly he has natural talent, but there's a lot of work that has to go in to, to all that he does. So take a look at this video. Little plug there for Under Armour, didn't really intend for that. If anybody works for them and you want to give us a kickback, that's, that's great. But, uh, you know, that's, we, we see them, you know, in the light. We see these athletes in the light and we see them, that it make, they make it look so easy, right? But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes where they're sacrificing, they're working hard. I have to wonder, you know, how many times do their trainers have to yell at them and say, you, you know, you got to be here early in the morning. You got to be here at this time in the morning. How many times are the trainers pushing them to do another lap? How many times are the trainers telling them, you know, eat this and not that, right? Some of us need to apply some of that sometimes, you know, eat this thing that's good for you, even if I don't really like it as much, even if my inner carnivore is saying, eat the burger, you know, we, we should be eating the salad. You know, if, if there's a certain kind of health level that we want, a certain body we want, you know, we, we've got to make sacrifices for that because you can't just live like an average person and think that you're going to be better than, than average. You know, God calls us to be our best spiritually. What God calls us to do is he, he wants us ultimately to look like his son, Jesus. Romans 8, verse, verse 29 says, Those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Jesus is the best of the best spiritually. right? You, you look at his life and you say, There is no one who has better virtue than Jesus. He is the ultimate example of loving other people. He is the ultimate example of having victory over temptation. So we look at him as the best of the best. And God says, I want you to become more like him. I want your life to look more like the life of Jesus. But we don't get to look like the life of Jesus by living like the average person in the world. So the only way we get to look like Jesus is if we make different choices from the average person, the average people, the average culture around us. There's a tension in that 
because I have to tell myself in my mind, if I want to look like Jesus, if I want to be the best me that I can be, the me that God created me to be, then I, I need to step out of the current of my culture. I need for my life, I need to make different choices than the people that I see a, around me. I even need to make different choices than what I feel on the inside. Because there are things that I naturally want to do that are going to take me down a path away from being like Jesus. And so, in a sense, we need to rule ourselves like that, that ad says that, that Michael Phelps has been working on. We need to rule ourselves. We need to overcome what's naturally inside of us if we're going to become the best that God would want us to be. So we're going to look at a passage this morning where God is calling us to step out and, and walk differently from the culture around us. And I'll just give you a heads up before we look at this. It, it will be difficult. It's, it's harder to walk against the current of the culture, but it is the only path to realizing the best that God has for us. So if you would take a Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, we are continuing in this series called Walk This Way, and, and I had to mention this sometime during this series, as we were thinking about the theme for the series, and we kind of landed on this idea of Walk This Way, a song came into my mind, maybe it's popped into some of yours too, it was an Aerosmith song from the 70s, and we actually kind of wrestled a little bit, like, should we even be using this title here? Because we don't want people thinking of that song. Because if you listen to that song or you look up the lyrics to it, I don't recommend that, but if you do, you will find that what that song is advocating is to walk the way of our culture. <laughs> They're saying, just walk along, just go along the path of least resistance, and, and that's not the message that we wanted to send. And so, so let me counter that. With, with something else, something that comes out of our, our local university here, Karen University. I love their slogan that says, walk a different path. So I love that concept of saying, if, if you want to get to a different destination in life, if you want the best life that God has for you, you have to walk a different path than the culture around us is, is walking. And so what we're going to see this morning in this passage that we're looking at, we're going to see Paul, who wrote this, calling us at the 30,000 foot level to walk a different way. He's going to say three different things, that we, uh, different ways that we should walk at the 30,000 foot level. But then he's going to get down and, and he's going to kind of get to meddling again in three very personal areas of our life. So uh, watch for that as, as we uh, get into this. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Okay, let's pause there before we go on, because this kind of lays the foundation for everything else that, that we're going to read. He tells us to be imitators of God. It, remember, he's, God says he wants us to look like Jesus. So he says, he, he doesn't just stop at saying, be imitators of God, do what God would do in any given situation. He goes on and he says, as Beloved children. So we sang the song, Good, Good Father. 
I mean, that's the foundation of everything else that comes. When, when God asks us to do something that oftentimes is difficult, the foundation of that is a relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. And if, if some of you remember back as we started into the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, one of the things that we saw is that we are adopted into his family. When we place our trust in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we are adopted into God's family. So he is our father. And one natural thing that happens as a child is growing up with their father is they're just they're going to do things that their father does. And so he says, I want you to be imitators of God as beloved children. Verse 2, the first, thing he's, first way he tells us to walk. He says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. So the first thing Paul tells us to do is to walk in love, not lust. So see, our world really has a very confused idea about what love is. The city of Ephesus, where this letter was written, they had a confused idea of what love is. And so they would pervert love. They, they had all kinds of promiscuity. They had adultery. They had ritual sexual acts going on. They had all kinds of perversion going on. And Paul says you need to not walk in those things. You need to walk in love. In verse 2, when he says walk in love, he's using the word agape, which is an others-centered love, instead of lust, which is a selfish love, a self-centered love. See, the result of self-centered love, the result of sexual immorality, is abuse, where, where people feel used instead of really feeling loved. It's, it's brokenness. It's broken hearts. It's perverted mindsets. It's, it's all of this mess that happens. And so Paul says, don't walk in lust. Walk in love. Walk in others-centered love. So what, what he's saying to us, just big picture here this morning, is to, to live a better life, you need to walk a different path. So if you want the best in life, if you want the best experience of love in your life, you have to walk a different way than the world is walking around us. My wife and I, I mentioned this last week, my wife and I have had the privilege over the years of, of doing pre-marriage preparation with a number of couples. And one of the saddest things that we encounter every now and then, is, is we'll have a wife. We'll get to our last se section, our last session together, which is where we talk about sexuality. And the, the wife-to-be will sometimes share from her past how she has been abused sexually. And we'll talk through that and the implications of that and how that's, that's going to bring some, some difficulty into their sexual relationship because someone chose to act in lust. Someone chose to act in a selfish way. That, that must be one of the, the ultimate selfish acts in the world is to abuse a child sexually. So we'll, we'll be dealing with this wife-to-be who's kind of got some, some fears and some trepidation about going into married life with her husband. 
But one of the great things is we can turn to the husband and say, you know what? You have an opportunity in this relationship to bring healing to this wife in your life. You have an opportunity, husband, to to say in verse 2, to to walk in love, to walk in self-sacrificial love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us. So, husband, as you come to your wife who has experienced abuse, you can come and you can say, instead of demanding my own way, demanding that my needs get met, I can create an environment for you where you can heal because I want to be selfless instead of selfish. Paul says to walk in love and not lust. Because he says, walking in lust, the, the, the end of that, it's a, it walks to a dead end. Verse 4 says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So Paul says, if you walk the way the world around you walks, it leads to a dead end. So walk a a different path. The second thing he tells us to do is to walk in light and not in darkness. Verse 7 Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret." So you see, darkness, we, we, we like darkness if we're trying to hide something. Okay? If, if we know we're doing something that's wrong, then we like to be in the darkness. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 3. He said people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. So we, we like to walk in darkness when we're trying to hide something. But darkness doesn't work very well for us if we're trying to walk forward if we're trying to move forward. So have you ever had the experience where you've been in a room with no windows and the power went out? Maybe especially if it's a room that you're not very familiar with. And so suddenly everything is dark and you can't see a thing and so you've got to try to make your way to the door. Have you ever done this? And so you're, you're like going and your arms are out here and you're trying to you know, feel where the wall is and where the door is and you're trying not to stub your toe on, on something and you're desperately just trying to find your way because there is no, no light. And then all you need is just a little sliver of light to come in and suddenly then you can see your path. See, spiritually, it's the same way for us. If we walk in darkness, we have no idea where we're going. We have no idea what we're going to bump into how we're going to stub our toes, break our knees. We have no idea what's going to happen. We need light to shine. And Jesus is our light, Paul says. If we read on, verse 13, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
Sometimes we have areas of our heart that are in darkness. And there's some nasty things that can grow in the darkness. I mean, mold grows in darkness. All kinds of nastiness grows in the darkness. And Christ wants to shine his light on us. Sometimes you and I are are cultivating things in the darkness that really need to be exposed. He says, expose the things from the darkness. Expose them to the light. Here's a way that you can expose things to the light is to confess. If you are struggling with something in your life that just has a hold on you, it's just growing there in the darkness, bring it into the light. Confess it to someone else. Say, I'm really struggling with this. Would you pray with me about this area? Bringing our our weaknesses and our brokenness into the light is is the best way to break the power of that sin over us when we bring it into the light and, and expose it for what it is. This is a profound way for us to connect with, with one another. So as a church, we, we say that we want to help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And so we have a strategy of doing that. We want to encourage people to, to be involved in worshiping, connecting, serving, and sharing. And sharing something that you're struggling with, confessing a sin to another person is a profound way of connecting with someone else. It takes a high level of trust. So it's not something you want to just do with with just anybody. But if you sense that someone is trustworthy, maybe is even a little further down the road than you spiritually, or you just sense that they care about you and they they love you, it's, it's a profound way to connect with them and to shed light on that dark area of your life and to break the power that it has over you. You know, I recognize that, that we're in an area that has a lot of uh, people who have Catholic backgrounds. So, so we're, not, we're not talking about confession here as though you're, you're going to a priest and that that's the way you get forgiveness. Because our understanding would be that we, we come directly to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness. We need no other mediator to be in between us. But there is something about going to another human being and especially another human being that you trust, that you're close to, there's something about breaking the power of sin when we confess and we bring it into the light. Paul says, don't, don't walk, he says, walk in light, not in darkness. And then thirdly, he says to walk as wise, not as unwise. So verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we need wisdom to walk through our life carefully, especially when we come to forks in the road in our life, right? Nobody wants to be labeled a fool. Nobody wants to look back on their life and look at their choices and say, man, I really botched that up. That was really dumb. I regret those things. Nobody wants to to end up there. So we need, Paul says, we need to look carefully then how you walk. That that word carefully means to look accurately, to look intentionally at how you're living. There's too many people who don't really give any kind of intentional thought to the choices that they are making. They just kind of plunge ahead, take the path of least 
resistance. And Paul says, no, stop and look carefully. There's a couple of times in our, our path where we need to be extra careful and, and look extra carefully. One would be when we're at a fork in the road and we've got a, a life-changing decision to make. When the choice that we make is going to impact ourselves years down the road and it's going to impact our families, we want to be very careful with that. So, so right now, our kids are kind of getting settled again in the area we just moved, so they're getting settled in new schools, all three of them, and so we're trying to figure out, okay, what, what classes are you going to be signing up for based on what you are thinking right now is going to be your career path? So they're kind of thinking carefully about that, because we don't want them to take just throwaway classes. They may want to take throwaway classes, you know, basket weaving, whatever is the easiest, you know, just give me my credits and stuff. But we don't want them, and, and ultimately they're not going to want to take throwaway classes. They want to take classes that are going to move them towards their goal, because they don't want to get, you know, however many years down the road and say, wow, I don't have everything I need, now I've got to cram it in. So give careful thought. The forks in your path where there's a lot riding on your decision, give careful thought to those things. And God, what would you want me to do in this situation? Another season in our life, in our, on the leg of our journey, where we want to be very careful about how we step, is when the path is dangerous, when the path is rough, when, when we're coming up against things and we say, you know what, there's there's, there's kind of some difficulty right now. I need to step very carefully. I had some friends back uh, before we moved from Waynesboro. I had some friends who would run this race called the JFK 50, 50 mile race. That's just crazy in and of itself. Okay, you have runners, you know, runners in general are kind of crazy. Then you have like really crazy runners. These are the really crazy people. So, 50 mile race. But not only that, but it started on the Appalachian Trail. So, Think about this. You're running on the Appalachian Trail, okay? This is not a paved... I mean, it's already challenging to run on a paved surface. This, you know, now you're running over tree roots and stones, and who knows what's gotten in the past since the last time somebody cleared it, and you're supposed to be running on, on that. So if that's the case, when, whenever you're going through life and there are obstacles in your path, you want to be very careful, extra careful... Paul says, look carefully how you walk, making the best use of your time. Because if you want to live a better life, you need to walk a different path. Let me point you to some great sources for wisdom in, in Scripture. You could go to the book of Proverbs. Okay? The, the book of Proverbs is full of, of wisdom. And actually, in, in Proverbs, 22 times it talks specifically about how we walk. So, so you could just do a search, do a Google search on Proverbs and walk, and you will, you'll come up with verses that talk about how, giving consideration to how we walk. The book of Psalms, there's actually even more. There's 28 mentions of the word walk. So to meditate on and think about how should I walk, in addition to what we just see right here in Ephesians chapter 5, lots of good input to change the way we think about how we should walk, because if you want a better life, you need to walk a different path. So, from the 30,000 foot level, Paul says, walk in love, walk in the light, and walk in wisdom. Now along the way, he, he has been starting to meddle in very personal areas 
of our life. So we saw this in, in the area of our sexuality. So in, in verse 3, he says, Sexual immorality, all impurity or covetous, it must not even be named among you. Then he also talks about our speech. We kind of moved through this pretty quickly, so maybe you didn't catch it, but in verse 4 he talks about our speech. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but rather let there be thanksgiving. So he says, be, be careful about the way you handle your sexuality. Be careful about the things that come out of your mouth. And then, in verse 18, he, he talks about our relationship to alcohol. So he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So these are three very practical areas, very personal areas, where Paul says you need to walk a different path. If you want to have a better life, you need to walk a different path in the world around you. Because the most natural thing that you will get drawn into is sexual immorality, handling it in a different way than God is calling us to live. If, if you want to uh, handle your speech, you're, you're going to need to handle your speech differently than the natural way that probably some of the people that you work with handle their speech. Be careful about the things you talk about. And then as we think about alcohol, he says, don't be drunk on wine. Don't get drunk. Don't be controlled by wine, but let yourself be controlled by the Spirit. So we don't have a lot of time to get into what the Bible says about alcohol, but there's no, there's no black and white prohibition in the Bible that says never take in any alcohol. But what is very clear here is not to be drunk on alcohol is not to let it control you, but he says let the Spirit, like God's Holy Spirit, control you. So that's a different way of thinking from the world. And, and the culture around us would say, you know, back off, right? They say, you are, you're meddling with my life. How dare you tell me what to do with my body? It's my body, I'll do what I want with it. But I, I think God would say in response to that, you know, if, if you want a better life, you're going to have to walk a different path. He would say to us, like a trainer would say to someone in the Olympics, if you really want to be the best, if you want to be your best, if you want to be the best, you're going to have to live your life differently. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to walk a different path in order to be your best. And if you think about it, these three areas, sex and speech and alcohol, if you think about it, do not raise your hand, but these are the areas that can get us into trouble in life, right? Don't, do not raise your hand, but if you think back of your life, just for a brief moment, can you think back in one of those, any one of those areas, or maybe all of those areas, that you've done something and you look back and say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I, I really wish I had walked a different path at that moment. And so God is is calling us and saying, I just, I want what's best for you. So I want you to walk the path that I'm calling you to walk in. Let's finish out this, this section here this morning. In verse 18, he says, don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
that last verse, 21, that opens up a whole another conversation that we're going to have next week as we talk about marriage. But, but notice here, this is, this is kind of interesting. He says, don't get drunk with wine. But he says, I want you to address one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord. Doesn't that sound, when you read that, doesn't that sound a little bit like Disney-esque to you? You know, instead of going to, to parties and having fun, I want, you to just, I want you to sing to each other. But, you know, again, pause and, and think about this. Think, would you rather be with a group of people discovering what it's like to have real joy that's kind of flowing out of you? You're, you're so full of joy that you just you kind of want to sing. You kind of want to speak positive things to each other. Would you rather be with that group, or would you rather be with a group of people who's saying, I want to escape from life? Do you want to find joy in life, or do you want to try to escape from life? And Paul says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit instead of walking the path that the rest of the world is walking. Okay, I've meddled uh, this far. Actually, Paul's the one that's meddling with you, not me. I'm just relaying what he said. But we've, we've meddled this far, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going here, okay? Just a question for you to answer in your own mind. Is there any of these areas that you would say, this is causing a problem for me right now? I need to walk a different path than the path that I've been walking. Is there anything in your life that is growing in the darkness that really needs to be exposed to the light. If there's something that's coming to mind for you, then here's what I want to encourage you to do. Just take a week, okay? Just take this coming week and say, God, I'll give this a try. You know, I don't kind of like the fact that you're meddling. I don't kind of like the fact that you're pushing me like a trainer to do something I don't want to do, but I'll, I'll just give this a try. I will walk your path this week in this area. And I just encourage you to do that and see what happens. I, I'll tell you this, it will be challenging for you, but it doesn't take any effort to be average. It doesn't take any effort at all for me to sit at home watching the Olympics on TV, admiring what all these other people have achieved as I'm sitting there eating my bowl of ice cream, right? You know, that doesn't take any effort on my part. If you want a better life, you're going to have to walk a different path. So we're going we're gonna to go into a time of communion after we sing together. And, and I want to just remind us of this from, from what we have read here this morning. As Jesus sometimes asks us to do hard things, we, we should remember that Jesus has done for us what is hardest of all. He's gone the path ahead of us. And, and in verse, I'll just read verse 2 again to remind us to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So as we're called to imitate Christ, as we are called to give up the hard things in our life, know that Jesus has gone before us, has done the hard things before he asks us to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your provision of forgiveness. We thank you that when you shine light into our lives, 
that we no longer need to hide, but you bring the light and expose the sin right along with your love and your grace so that we can experience forgiveness and experience new life in you. So, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for your sacrifice. Um, Father God, we thank you that you are a good, good Father. And Lord, I pray for each of us in this room that we would, we would hear your call and respond to your call to be the best that you made us to be, to be like Jesus by walking a different path from this world around us. And we pray for your strength in Jesus' name. Amen.